Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. How's everyone doing today? You guys doing good? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, God is good. Say it with a little gusto too, you know, like God is good. Just don't. Um, Today, I just want to chat with you a little bit about um, the power of community. And I want to I want to jump into um, three portions of scripture. And so if you, if you could take your Bible out, go to First uh, Corinthians, chapter 12, 12 through 26. That's our first portion of scripture. And, uh, and then we're going to go into a Colossians, I believe we'll hit. We'll land in Colossians for a moment and then we'll hit Ephesians, Some, something like that. We'll see how it goes. Um, let me just go ahead and, and share with you, um, first of all, that after if you are not connected to an e-group, uh, an ecclesia group, you can after service and our uh, host homes, we have, I think, six or seven host homes or five or six, I can't remember. Anyway, they'll be out there. So if you are, well, you know, if you're in, from San Jose, you can jump in. If you're from more like the uh, Union City, uh, Hayward area, you can jump in. You know, we have, we have some on the peninsula, Los Altos, and some other places. So if you haven't connected uh, in an Ecclesia group, we had about 125 people out last month, and uh, we was, we'll miss you if you don't show up. How's that? And so uh, sign up and show up, according to the, whatever we just heard in the video. I like that. Sign up and show up. So uh, they'll, have, they'll have some information. You just go ahead and sign up, and then uh, we'll uh, you know, get, you on the, get you on the list, and then shoot you emails, and just invite you to come on out. So uh, and there's a purpose around that. We just feel like um, the body needs to connect, but it's, it's something about a connection around a, an ecclesia paradigm, not so much a church paradigm. And that's really important because if you read the, the book of Acts um, and you begin to study it, a lot of times, if, if you have history in the church, you, you, you tend to read that portion of Scripture with a church paradigm and not a governmental paradigm. Remember Jesus when he said in Matthew 16, he was talking about the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church or the ecclesia. And, uh, and so we, we have to come to the, to the conclusion that Jesus didn't say church, he said ecclesia. And ecclesia is not a re- was not a religious institution. It was actually a governmental institution that was birthed by the Greeks about 400 uh, BC, and when Rome took over, uh, and they just kind of stepped up the ecclesia. In other words, the ecclesia actually legislated and governed their cities all over the New Testament day. So in Ephesus, in Colossae, in, in Philippi, all of those places, uh, even when we read in Revelation chapter 1 and 2, um, and three, we don't, the word there is not church, really, the word there is ecclesia. It's, it's, a, it's a different way of thinking. It's what Jesus said, and if Jesus said it, I want to do it. I don't want to be involved and engaged in something that he's not doing. And I definitely don't want to be, I definitely don't have, I'm, 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 I'll just say this, I'm not as young as I used to be, um, and as of yesterday, I'm a little older today, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't have time to spin wheels on doing something that Jesus didn't really commission. And so, um, 
So I had the, I had the pleasure of getting a phone call this week from, um, I don't know if you guys have read the book, uh, it's called Ecclesia Rising. It's written by Dean Briggs. Has anyone, I know I've been, I've been asking you guys to read that. I know one person has, a couple people have. Uh, and I uh, got a phone call from, uh, out of the blue this week from, from Dean. And uh, he's like, I, he's from Oklahoma, so I'm gonna do my very best. Don't even try. All right, that's that was an encouraging word from my wife. Um, and he said, "I heard great things are happening, um, and I just really would love to get together with you, and let's see what God's what God's doing." I feel like there's this linking of shields that's taking place right now, that God spontaneously do things, and and He told me because I feel like this is something that's gonna that's gonna be a, a national and global movement, and I said yes. I've been saying that for two years, you know, um, and I feel like the Lord is putting these pieces together. And uh, as you guys know, we're, Wendy and I are leaving for two weeks in May, May 10th, so we're going to go to the Philippines again uh, for 16, 15 or 16 days, and we're literally discipling, I feel like we're kind of discipling a nation. It's, it's really amazing. So we were there uh, it, for... Um, not too long ago, it was a couple months ago, January, man, where did the time go? January, uh, with the 130 leaders, now we're going to take off, we're going to start um, going to the northern part of the Philippines and begin to deposit, cascade, they call it cascading the message. Um, and, you know, initially it all started, for those who are first, who haven't heard, it all started when we ministered in August around Ecclesia and somebody said, this is exactly what our nation needs. And so um, we're just seeing fruit from that, and we're seeing God just show off. God just doing uh, amazing things. And I just want you guys to get excited about that in your spirit, and what God's doing and uh, what he's doing around the, around the world. And it's just co not coming from this, this house, but it's actually coming from more and more, um, more, and more voices and, and, and places and ministries. So we're excited about that. Um, so we have to understand, kind of bringing it back into Acts chapter 1 and 2, we're kind of landing there um, for the next, well, we landed, we're, we're in just talking about e-groups, this is our, our, third, our third session, and kind of, kind of uh, creating a, a launching pad for our ecclesia groups. And ecclesia groups um, are really apostolic, we want them to be apostolically uh, centered, not just pastorally centered. And we want them to, we want it to be not just, we don't, we don't want to think of them as just home groups. We want to think of them as planting the gospel in, in regions uh, all around the Bay Area. We want people to be ministered to. We want to go after signs. Every single e-group that we have, we go after miracles, signs and wonders. And a couple of weeks ago, I read you the list of the miracles that are taking place in our small groups. We're talking about not just physical healing, even though we... Tend to me we can tend to measure that a little quicker, uh, but also just God stepping into family life and God stepping into people's lives and, you know, where we're seeing financial miracles and just some crazy cool stuff happening and we've only met for two months, you know. So uh, we just really want to encourage you to, to step into that, into the fullness of that. But in Acts chapter 2, we see, again, from Acts 1 actually to Acts uh, chapter 8, we do see that there was, that was a year and a half span, and in that year and a half, 
Um, over 20,000 people get saved in Jerusalem. And, uh, and largely, that didn't happen. Because it wasn't that Peter had a, had a revival crusade for four nights uh, at Solomon's colonnade outside. You know, they didn't, have, they didn't pass out revival flyers, and they didn't have, uh, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have uh, the internet. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Slapchat. They didn't have Snapchat. They didn't have, they didn't have some of these things that, that our technology, I threw that out on purpose. Um, our technology, uh, it, it wasn't technology driven and it was just people's lives were changed. And, and a largely, a lot of the, the evangelism, people finding Christ happened in homes. And that's really where it all took off. And if ecclesia doesn't begin to happen in our house first, then it's going to be hard for us to carry it into the workplace. And, and in the New Testament, the home was really, the workplace was an extension of the home. And so Jesus probably worked from his house, which father was Joseph, because he was a carpenter. And so he probably worked from his house. He probably did business from his house before he launched into, into ministry when he was 30. So he, he was probably working from his house and that's probably where their business was. So, so the, 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 the ecclesia paradigm, I, I'll just have to say it like that for now, the, the understanding that they're legislative, they're governmental, that they're actually there to, to bring the kingdom of God, release heaven on earth, which is the simple way of phrasing it, Matthew chapter six, verse 9 and 10, is the releasing the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. In essence, that's what ecclesia is. That's the end result. It's destroying the works of the devil like Jesus did. Jesus embodied the ecclesia. He, it was governmental. And he moved in power. He moved in authority. He moved in anointing. He moved in love. He served people well. And that's the, kind of, that's the lifestyle that we're called to. And what Ecclesia does, it actually gives us, it actually gives us the foundation and the permission to live that kind of lifestyle, not just on a personal level, but corporately. So what would it, what would it look like for a body of believers? Because we measure, we measure success in a large, in, in talking to so many pastors and leaders, we measure success by attendance and not influence. So we have to shift our paradigm. We have to shift our thinking. It's not how many people are coming into the building that we, we enjoy that. It's really how is our city changing? How's the workplace changing for God's glory, right? So our measurement is so often if we have X amount of people in a building and it's totally full and, you know, or the worship service is amazing and presence of God, and that all counts, but the acid test is, what does our culture look like? The acid test is, is Fremont or San Jose or Palo Alto or whatever city you're from, is that looking more and more heavenly? Christ-like. Does that make sense? And so, so our goal is... That's, if we begin to make that shift, even that simple phrase of how do we as the body of Christ measure success, 
we measure success by how much a city, how much a region, how much a neighborhood is looking more and more like the kingdom. Are you guys alive? I know this is a review, but I'm doing it very intentionally because we have, we have 500 years of, to unravel th- some things. But when the Holy Spirit is, is in it, you know, that, that can happen almost in a moment where there's an impartation that he gives us and there's, a, there's, a, there's an identity piece that we grab. So our relational identity, and we'll talk about this in a, in a, at a different time, our relational identity is sons and daughters, right? We relate to Father as sons and daughters. Can you say amen? I know I'm... Did you guys sleep good last night? You guys? All right. You guys didn't. Okay, at least you're honest. Um, And so, but our functional identity is ecclesia. Relational is how how I relate to God vertically in relationship with him. My, that's my relational identity. I'm, but my functional identity, how I do life, is to bring heaven to earth. And that's, that's more of a language we all, we all understand and embrace, is heaven to earth. And the will of God is on earth as it is in heaven. Like, that's, that's the expression. That's the fullness of that. But what Jesus said in Matthew 16 is that we are, he says, upon the confession that I'm the Christ, I'm the ruler, king, then I will build my ecclesia and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So, so we, have a, we have a job to do. We have a commission to do, and that is to release the kingdom of God uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Can we say amen to that? We got that all? All right, all right. So from that, we have, we have, we have to look at the book of Acts um, through a different grid. We have to look through and read the book of Acts with these disciples not doing church and not measuring their success by how many people are in their, how many people are in the temple or how many people are in their homes. They're measuring success by how they're influencing a city. So much so that the religious leader says, would you please shut this down because they're turning, this, they're turning the world upside down with the gospel. In other words, there was results that were measurable. It wasn't just coming into a building and enjoying. And I, I'm, I'm more and more convinced, because I've talked to more and more people through the last couple of years, is that um, not too many people are enjoying church the way church is done today. I mean, I think there's a lot of pastors who are feeling the same way. Is, there, is this all that there is? Is this all that there is? Coming to church on a Sunday morning, maybe picking up a class, is that all there is? For me to be a faithful believer and a faithful Christian, pay my tithes and go to church, is that all there is? And I'm telling you, that's, there's way more than that. And it's this adventure in God, and we're learning this adventure. We're walking this, this thing out for God's glory. But it's gonna require the Holy Spirit to create a little bit of a shift in us so that we understand what exactly he wants us to do, right? All right, so, so the groups, these, these groups form these, uh, um, God's pouring his spirit out, Acts chapter two, 120 received the fire of the Holy Spirit, right? Start speaking in tongues. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is huge to the ecclesia. It is not optional equipment. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, 
They're, they're, are, they're baptized, they're speaking in tongues. Peter, they, they come flying out of the, not t technically flying, but they come out of the upper room and they are just like, they are possessed by the Spirit of God. And they are, they are going ahead and they're like speaking in tongues and all these, all these nations are, are hearing them in their own native language. And they're absolutely shocked. They say, how can this be? These guys, are, these guys are Jewish and we're from this region and that region because they're coming all over for, for the festive the, uh, Passover, uh, Pentecost. And so here they are, they're all there. And this is only 50 days after Jesus was resurrected. This wasn't three years after Jesus was resurrected. It was 50 days uh, since the time of his resurrection that, that Pentecost comes and boom, there it is. But they gathered in homes, they met together, they fellowshiped together, they were connected together, but they were connected not as the church, but they were connected as the ecclesia. So they had an agenda. Was not, the, the agenda was not just to receive ministry. Their, the agenda was actually to give ministry, was to not only give ministry to one another, but to actually begin reach. Their target was the city and to reach their city. And so... We have to understand that every single person in this room is a vital component of what Jesus called ecclesia. Can you say amen to that? Amen. In other words, there's not, there's not one person, there's not another, there's not one person who's more important. They might have a different function than another, but equally are important. Because Christ is the head and we are his his body, right? So which takes me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at this. Um, 12 through 26, and um, I want to just talk to you a little bit about each person that's uh, part of Christ's body is a vital component to the ecclesia. So let's just take a look at this. Uh, let me just read it to you out of the Passion Translation, verse 12. And as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit... We were immersed and mingled into a single body. And no matter our status, can we say amen? No matter our status, whether you are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are privileged to drink deeply from the same Holy Spirit is what, what we did this morning, right? Verse 14, in fact, the human body is not one single part, praise God, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, since I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it's forgetting that it, it is still a vital part of the body. There's a lot of people who, in a lot of places, that are forgetting or have a conclusion that they're not a vital part of the body. So I want you to turn to someone next to you and say, you're a vital part of the body. Just go ahead and bring that affirmation. And if the ear were to say, verse 16, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really part of the body. So we have people in our congregations who disqualify themselves. And I just, want to, I just want to break that lie off of you. So sometimes we forget who we are as being a part of the body. 
And then sometimes what we do is we disqualify ourselves because we're not, we don't fit a particular role in the body. And I want to encourage you, don't forget who you are and never disqualify yourself. Oh, if I could just sing like that. Oh, if I could just lead like that. Oh, if I just had this gifting. Oh, if I just had that gifting. And what we do is we measure ourselves. And I'm just telling you that that is not how Christ sees you. That you're uniquely, divinely knit together, according to Psalm 139, in, in the, the womb of your mother, and that you have a vital purpose in, as his body on the earth. You are not a mistake. So it, most of you, almost all of you know that, but don't disqualify yourself for any reason. You are completely qualified. Can we say amen to that? So it says there in verse 16, let me just go ahead and continue. If the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm, I'm not really part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. Verse 17. Think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, which would be weird, <laughs> how could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. Listen now, I just want to emphasize a few words because I only have a few moments. It's already later than... God has carefully, everyone say, carefully designed me. Listen now. I like the Passion Translation on this. And placed me in the body to function. In other words, you're placed in the body and you have a role. Now, because we're churchy, we want to define our role by a position we might have. That's not what the scripture says. Can I just bring it down to planet Earth for a moment, real practical? Stepping inside of a building and encouraging somebody today is, be, is functioning as, his, as the head, as his body. Remember I told you several weeks ago, encouragement is to put courage in someone. Encouragement. So we disqualify ourselves because we feel like we don't have a, a role, maybe a title, and we, and we disqualify ourselves from ministry when all you have to do is put yourself next to somebody on a Sunday, let's just say Sunday, or an e-group or whatever, and put your arm around them and just say, I just want to say hello. Or you just walk up to them and say, hi, my name is Greg. Nice meeting you. I just want to introduce myself this morning. Glad you're here. We disqualify 
we, for some reason, minimized what we would, what we would term smaller things when we have ministry happening around us all day long. And I'm talking namely on a Sunday, right? That can happen when you get out, when you go somewhere, and whatever, whatever, wherever your week takes you. So you're placed in a body to function as he desires. Verse 19. A diversity is required. Everyone say diversity. Diversity is good. I'm glad you're all not like me. Believe me. I mean, just look at the, just look at the, the nationalities we have in the room. I mean, diversity makes us stronger. Doesn't weaken us. So, a diversity is required for if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many different parts and functions but one body. Many different parts and functions but one body. Verse 21. It would be wrong... For the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong for the head to say to the foot, I don't need you. I mean, it's wrong to say at any level, I don't need you. We don't need you. It's right to say, I need you. We need each other. But we, we tend to live isolated. We tend to have our iPods, our headphones in. We tend to, even though we have the internet, we tend to be more isolated. You know, you ever heard of the joke, I had 10 of my friends over last night and we all looked at our iPhones. In other words, there was no conversation. We were all scrolling. You ever have that happen? I know it's not your spouse, your friends, but we can get in our rooms now. We can just, you know, while we're, and have you ever been to a doctor's office or anywhere in a public place? That's all you see. No one's reaching out to anybody. They're in their comfort zone. They got, their eye, they got their iPhones, and they're just kind of like going on Instagram. They're not even, they probably don't even have a program up. They're just doing it. <laughs> they're checking the news. Come on, we have the world right here. But we don't have live people right here. We have people maybe texting, but they're not flesh and blood standing in front of us. And because of uh, the, the beauty of technology, the downfall of that would be we can easily isolate ourselves from other people and appear to be preoccupied and actually enjoy being preoccupied with our phones. Because that means I don't have to really pay much attention to the people that are in the room. We hide behind the glass. Are you guys all right? But when we, when we gather, even, even the way we have our, uh, I'll even say this, even the way we have our Sunday morning set up, it's like you have one chair in front of the other. So you could be bending down with your phone. 
And I know you do that. Come on now. Not all of you, but you're like this. And you know, and if you, know, if you have a watch, that's even, I have an eye watch, that's even worse because your wrist vibrates, you know? And so you're talking to someone, I've caught myself doing that, talking to someone saying, yeah, I know what you're talking, reading this text. That is so wrong on so many levels. <laughs> so it would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. The, equally wrong for the hand to say to the foot, I don't need you, verse 22. In fact, the weaker our parts, the more vital and essential they are. What an interesting phrase, isn't it? The body parts we think are less honorable, we treat with greater respect. And the, part, and the body parts that need to be covered in public, we treat with, with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention, like your liver. The internal organs, right? I gotta, you know, I gotta shave. I gotta take care of some of the out. Anyway, you guys are, I don't wanna go into all that, right? Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honor to the lesser members who lacked it. Verse 25, he has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others, others with mutual concern. And so that there will be no division in the body. Wow. That's a thought. How do you have no division in the body? Well, one way is that every member would look after each other's mutual concern. If we're so busy looking out after others, generally what happens in a marriage is that, whoa boy, Greg, what are you doing right now? What could happen, and what I actually teach is that you have to be filled with, with, the, with the Lord Jesus so that you don't make an idol of your spouse. What does that mean? It just means that you can't have your spouse meet all your needs. She's not perfect. She will fail you. He will come up short. That's just the way it is. But if, I am, if, I'm, if I'm getting filled by, by God, the void is filled, then I can actually love you without anything coming back to me. Does that make sense? And so if you have two people who are functioning like that, you have the making of a really good marriage. But as soon as I go inward... And as soon as I start requiring and, that become, and start demanding or wanting something or she doesn't even know that I want it, whatever that something is, maybe it's, maybe it's an encouraging word, maybe whatever it is that, that I'm needing from her, she has no idea that, she, that she's supposed to deliver that package. And then we set ourselves up for disappointment. And then it, it builds, doesn't it? Then it's the silent treatment. People do that. What's wrong, honey? <laughs> oh, nothing. You know, we got all these defense mechanisms going, right? Or ways we can get back without getting back, you know? What's that called? Passive aggressive. Passive -aggressive. Oh, yeah. You guys all right? So we look out after each other with mutual concern. It says in Scripture this, 
I think it's, man, now I'm wondering, I think it's in Proverbs, maybe a looser trans- translation. In order to have friends, be a friend. <clears throat> and I, I'm not here to talk a lot about <clears throat> like relationships and go deep into that. I'm just saying that be intentional. Take responsibility. Go to people, love them well. Don't hang out looking for someone to reach out for you, to you. Now, maybe God will allow that to happen, but if you do that long enough, you're going to get disappointed somewhere. Oh, come on now. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, I'm almost done. You guys all right? Say, I'm just... So Christ himself, verse 11... So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, um, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So maturity doesn't mean perfection, it just means maturity in Christ. Verse 14 then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. So we have to recognize there are people who will try and do that. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Verse 16 is kind of where I, but I want to give you that just for context. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work, right? So ligaments, I I know, I I hope I get, I know we have some medical people here, so I'm going to try my very best to make sure I'm right. I did my research, so, you know, ligaments means to bind or tie, and and they hold the ligaments hold the body together. They bring stability and flexibility. Ligaments actually connect the, uh, are part of our joints, and they actually connect bone to bone. So ligaments uh, are vital for having us, giving us the ability, giving us structure to the bones that we can even stand. So leadership is in place to help the body stand. It, it, gives, it gives it strength, and it gives it support. That's what he's talking about concerning the fivefold. So, so we're, as, and that's not just a fivefold. I think that, that kind of even moves down into lower levels of leadership. So ligaments are strong structures which join two bones together, giving the skeleton strength and structural integrity. Our bones are held together by ligaments, and the bones are moved by muscles. Tendons connect muscles to bones. Muscles function because of the work of the ligaments and the tendons. It's interesting that Paul would actually use the word ligaments. When he's talking here about, again, we're talking about the body. We're talking about these ligaments. So in Ephesians, ligaments are the gifts of God. As God given the ecclesia, it's leadership, and they will provide stability for the bones. Ligaments connect or link the structural part of the body together. Um, for support and eventually movement. So we have the body. Everyone's important in the body. 
and there's all kinds of weird things in the body that we only have words for. I certainly don't. But Paul uses this analogy and says, in the body, there's going to be these ligaments, and they're going to actually join. Their, their, their role is to actually connect the bones together to, to a point where we actually stand as a body, with Christ being the head. I'll just say Christ is the head, and the fivefold, are, we're just the joints that fit in between the bones. We're connecting bones to bones, where there's no, hopefully there's no pain. You know what I'm saying? And so, but he says something very interesting in Colossians 2.19. It says, uh, I, I don't have time to read the context, but they have lost connection with the head and from whom the whole body supported and held together, the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and tendons grows as God causes it to grow. So, a tendon, how many people know what a tendon is? I, most people, oh, you guys are smart. I had to look it up. I had to actually look at a video. Praise God for YouTube. So, so what, what, what are we saying here? We're talking about how vital it is for every single person to be connected as the body. That there's not one person in this room that should disqualify themselves or in some way live unconnected. The scripture says you are connected, whether you recognize it or not, you are connected. So don't try and disconnect yourself, but actually get connected. And so that's, that's the, now we're talking here just a little bit more about how is that actually possible? And he, Paul relays Ephesians chapter uh, four, and he talks about these joints, these, these ligaments that actually give... Uh, uh, structure and strength to the bone structure of a body, Christ being the head. And then he talks about tendons. And while the bones create the, the structure for us to stand as a body, the tendons actually create the movement. They help create the movement. A tendon actually connects a muscle to a bone. So you have, while you have the joints connecting bone to bone, you have a tendon just think of a muscle being draped over a bunch of, uh, like a bone, two couple bones, and there's the muscle, and the connecting points are called tendons. And those connecting points, those tendons work with the muscle to create movement as a body, with Christ being the head. So we gather together, like let's say, Let's say we have 150 people or 200 people in our, in our e-groups this week. You're gathering together as the body of Christ outside the walls of the building where we're, not, where we're not sitting with you looking at me. You're actually sitting together looking at each other. That the body is flowing back and forth and there's beauty, there's, there's a cohesion, there's a dance, there's things that are happening in these ecclesia groups, and you're actually becoming, I don't want to say you're becoming known, but you're making yourself visible. Because we can hide in our churches. Right? It's like, whew, got through that service. You know, we walk out of the service like this, you know. But that's not how God's designed you. And God has placed leadership there to actually connect you so that we can, we can rise and that we can stand together 
and then the, we, and then the tendons function as movement is, and gives us the ability to do things for the Lord. As we're connected, as there's life in the body, as Christ be in the head. So the illustration is, if we're going to function as the, again, he's, he's writing to the ecclesia, not to the, I know I have to keep saying that, I probably have to keep saying that, but that, I just want us to bring that understanding. He's writing to us, if we're going to be governmental, we have to be connected. And it can't be something that we just say verbally and, you know, like, hey, get connected, and it's in your news feed. It's actually, there's got to be some intention that you, that you step in, you're intentional about getting yourself connected. That means that you're going to have to, we're going to have to look at our calendars on our phones. We're going to have to sign up. We're going to have to get ourselves connected. We're going to have to get, grab the keys to our car or get to the bus station or BART train or whatever. Get there. There's got to be some intentionality around the connection because we need each other. And we live in a, in a culture that kind of prides itself on not needing others. And I tend to be like that. I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I, I like my, what do you call those kind of people? You're a little inward, you know? A little bit. So I, I, I gain strength by quiet time. That's how I fill up. Anyone like me? Like other people, they fill up by being around people. You know, they're around people and they're just like, they're, they're done. They're like, woohoo, I'm all filled up. And though I love being around people, I like my mornings. You know, that's my sacred time. You know, that's where I'm just like getting filled up. Or if I'm in, I just need space. But I understand that it's, it's, it's vital for me to connect with you outside of this building. And it's vital for you to connect with others outside of the building. So that's my, that's my simple message today. Get connected. Don't get connected because it's what CHOP is doing. Don't get connected because it's a program. Get connected because it's the Word. That makes sense? Get connect, I, I, I really sense this. Get connected because I feel like if you're disconnected, then you're not functioning fully in what His plan is for our lives. That makes sense? All right, let's all stand. Take the hand of the person next to you, get connected. So Lord, I just pray that, that we would, would learn how to function as a body of the ecclesia of God. That we would genuinely care for each other, we would love each other, we would be interested in each other, and though we have different personalities and we can't, we can't be all things to all people, you know, there's only so much time, we, we can at least look and see here, this is where I'm connected. And so God, I pray that you would just, uh, if there's anyone here that feels like they, you know, they've kind of disqualified themselves, they come against that, that's a lie. If there's anyone here who's feeling like what, these, what we read in that passage where they forgot who they were for whatever reason, that they're not even feeling connected to the body, we just come against that in the name of Jesus. And we just pray that people in this room would be intentional about connecting with other people and that we would love each other well. 
that we would encourage and we would comfort and we would surround and we would, we would call up, we would call out, we would all those things in love. And may this be, at least weekly, the greatest p- source of encouragement would be coming into this room, into this, on this campus for those who are saved and those who aren't. And so we say life to you, blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So we have, we have, uh, we do have ministry team here. I don't know who's leading it. Okay. Here, I want you guys to connect with someone around you. All right. Just don't run out. Give someone a high five. Introduce yourself to somebody. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.